0: Welcome to another exciting episode of Mission Compliance, Unleashing Growth Potential for Defense Contractors. On today's episode, we're diving deep into the world of defense contracting and exploring the ever-changing landscape of defense budgets. As defense budgets continue to evolve, it is crucial for defense contractors and business owners to stay ahead of the curve and identify emerging opportunities. Join us as we discuss the latest trends, explore innovative approaches to securing contracts, and uncover hidden opportunities within the changing budget landscape. Get ready for a thought-provoking and informative discussion that will empower you to make strategic decisions, capitalize on emerging trends, and achieve success in the dynamic realm of defense contracting. Roll that intro music! We're joined once again today by Mike Frieder, President of On Call Compliance Solutions, a CMC Registered Practitioner and CMC Certified Professional Assessor. Th- thanks for joining us again, Mike. Hey, always a pleasure, Roman. Thanks always. for having me. Always. No problem. So, Mike, today we're talking about change. Adapting to shifts in the defense landscape. One thing that fluctuates often is money. Defense budgets. When budgets change, plans change. So... With that being said, how can defense contractors effectively position themselves to win contracts in a competitive and evolving market?
1: Man, what a great, <clears throat> what a great question, Roman. And um, you know, I think this is a really difficult question to to take on, and I'm kind of looking forward to the challenge uh, because this is what I call a crystal ball question. You know, obviously, if everybody knew the answer to that question. Uh, you know, they'd be making those moves and it would be greatly affecting their businesses in a positive way. But the ultimate reality is actually we don't know the answer to that. Um, we don't know the answer to that question. Uh, but there are certainly market indicators that allow us to uh, come pretty close. And, you know, a couple of things that I'll point out. So obviously, this podcast uh, is, is about, you know, defense contractors and benefiting defense contractors and really helping them to succeed. And at the same time, it's also about compliance and information security and educating defense contractors and those who are who are doing something in the defense industry about not only those requirements, but just how they can generally run a safer, more secure, better operation. So in light of all of that, I think the first trend you have to look at is the increased focus on information security. And if it was me and I was looking at how I should present my company uh, in terms of, you know, going out there and winning business. I think that any company these days who does not have some part of their sales pitch rooted in information security is someone who is open and vulnerable to being beat out by a competitor who is. And I think that's really important because previously, you know, in the last 10 years, there really has not been a lot of budget placed on cybersecurity. I mean, there's a lot of talk about it, but the reality of budgets is that the average defense contractor has less than 1% of gross revenue towards the entirety of IT. So I'll repeat that statistic again. The average defense contractor spends less than 1% of its gross revenue on IT operations. <clears throat> and that includes cybersecurity, which falls under IT operations. So that's a almost staggering thing to think about, right? We've got cost of goods sold and uh, you know, all of our personnel expenses and lots of other things that hit the balance sheet, but such a minimal amount of money is put towards cybersecurity and IT. And hey, you know what? Technology is the most leveraged thing besides people in our business, right? So maybe it makes sense. But the reality, I think, is that if you look at the gazelle companies and, and a gazelle company is a company that's doing 20 percent or more growth year after year for at least two years in a row, all gazelle companies are pushing the boundaries on that 1% IT and information security spend. And, and oftentimes it's much more than 1%. Uh, it may even be up to a several percentage points, you know, 2 to 5% of their gross revenue is being invested into IT. And particularly in defense, um, if I was to look at a, an emerging trend, the emerging trend, and I think the thing that companies are finding is allowing them to be successful is by putting an increased emphasis on cybersecurity, risk management, and stability, recognizing the fact that especially if they've built a company that's, you know, let's say up above a million dollars a year in revenue, there is a very real risk associated with being a defense contractor that you are in for a more than average cyber attack, right? So both in quantity and quality of the attacker coming after you, because if you're on one of those lists of government contractors or subcontractors, you know, your name's out there, you're a big target. So Um, I think that, you know, in terms of of budget, I see a shifting budget more and more towards information security. Um, I see for the first time companies actually having real compliance budgets uh, to deal with the DFARS and NIST. Um, You know, they they just simply have to, right? This stuff costs money and um, there are definitely efficient ways to do it. That's what we do here at OnCall, provide a cost-effective way of helping companies to understand that. But I I also think that, um, you know, The overall concept of not spending money in this area is something that I think these days only really small companies would do. It would be really silly to not understand that some money has to be spent in this area. Um, If you're not leveraging technology heavily and if you're not securing that leveraged technology in your business, um, it's just sort of only a matter of time until an attack succeeds. And, uh, you know, like everything else in business, you know, you want to secure your sales, your operations and, and your information, uh, it becomes a big deal. Reputation is another area that I think uh, I've begun to really see people put more and more emphasis on. I think there's a higher level of activity in PR amongst defense companies than there used to be. Uh, there's so many different buyers within the defense ecosystem that I think you really have to consider uh, the idea of how you're out there in the public eye and making sure that you're getting some press, even if you're a small business. Okay, so um, that may be just being not- you know, getting some notoriety in your local newspaper or uh, local news outlets. Um, why is it so critical? Well, because remember, the idea that you're involved in the defense industry is highly intriguing to private sector buyers. So in other words, your ability to say, hey, listen, we meet DOD compliance guidelines for our information security. We're a very safe, secure partner to do business with. That's important to private sector companies as well. Private sector companies are starting to care about NIST SP-800-171, particularly in the medical uh, the medical industry and also in the credit card payment industry. PCI compliance is all based off 800-171. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's that's one huge place that I really see. And interestingly, I see some decreases in spending. Uh, you know, when it comes to marketing, I think that typically happens when you begin to be in a recessionary economy. So, what do you want to call it? A recession, depression, whatever. Higher interest rates are going to suppress sales because people can't borrow money for next to nothing. And so they won't spend as much. And a lot of times, the top place that, that really comes from is in their marketing budget. So, it makes it even more impactful to give your sales team a deeper message, a more convincing message. Uh, more competitive selling propositions to really stand out and differentiate yourself from your competition. So those two things go hand in hand, decrease in marketing budgets and increase in cybersecurity information security budgets. Uh, I think that's
0: a trend that we will continue to see. Many factors can affect defense budgets from recessions to threats to priority shifts. Uh, But that doesn't mean that the contracts aren't still out there for the taking. How can defense contractors stay agile and adapt to changing defense budgets?
1: It's a great question.
0: Um, and, And there again, I think the answer is different for each defense
1: contractor, but there are some universals, right? So again, this is, I think whenever you're talking about the future of financial and budgetary things, it's a crystal ball scenario because you're not just fighting your own individual characteristics as a company you're also sort of fighting market trends and things like that. So, um, you know, here's here's a great example. Uh, I see, l- let me make sure I got the question correctly. Um, ask the question one more time
0: just for the audience. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Many factors can affect defense budgets from recessions to threats to priority shifts, but that doesn't mean the contracts aren't there for the taking. How can defense contractors stay agile and adapt to changing defense budgets? Yeah, great
1: question. So, so, um, I think we touched on half the answer to that in the previous question, which is I think slight decreases in marketing budgets just because of you know recessionary level econ- economic events, increases in information security budgets to stabilize the operation, uh, to meet compliance and give the sales team's unique competitive selling proposition. And I think the final piece of this is, you know frankly an increase in price. The bottom line is the defense contractors have requirements that simply didn't exist ten years ago or five years ago, really. Uh, You know, I think this stuff started in 2017. We're now in 2023. So about six years ago, this stuff started. The reality is most defense contractors still don't really understand what the macro impact is of having an extra compliance standard to contend with is simple reality is someone's got to pay for it. That's the defense contractor and they better go up on their price or else they're going to suffer in profitability because there is cost to being compliant. Now, if you're a small defense contractor, your costs are going to be small, right? We've got micro-sized programs at OnCall that can help with that. Uh, We are even on the verge of coming out with uh, a completely do-it-yourself methodology for getting compliant with our online, um, you know, DFARS NIST and CMMC online course. It's It's not like a typical online course. You really get everything that you possibly can think of that you would need to be compliant along with our support via email for a year. It's a really cool program. It's, it's ultimately a program that we've designed to answer the call for the masses in the defense industry. As a matter of fact, actually, we're coming out with some really cool material talking about how we're changing the defense industry by putting out a product like this. It's something that we even we ourselves were afraid to put out for years because we didn't really know if people could handle this themselves. Uh, it is extremely large and technically complex, but one way or another, there's a cost to it. So. Understanding that you've got to go up on your costs or rather your price to your clients. Also, there's this horrible misnomer that defense contracting isn't profitable. I think, you know, to anyone who says defense contracting isn't profitable, I'd like to ask you, well, who's in charge of your pricing, <laughs> right? Last time I checked, I don't know very many companies that are not in complete control of their own pricing. Now, they may think that there's market conditions that dictate what their pricing is and i'll be honest with you i call complete you know complete bullocks on that you know i think that's incorrect i think ultimately it is up to businesses business owners sales departments what have you um, to dictate what their value proposition is and i don't care if that's a hard product or a service people buy on emotion and i could do a whole podcast on on buying on emotion and value and things like that it's a topic that's near and dear to my heart ultimately at the end of the day people have to perceive a value during a purchasing process and that is an emotional response i don't care if they're putting you into a buying matrix you know they're gonna they're gonna assign you score points and things like that if they're really a a technical buyer and then they're gonna go at the end of the day they're gonna say look who we really want to work with and it's an emotional decision so they just need the data and the evidence to back it up if it's questioned but ultimately go up on your price second thing is look at cost reimbursement contracts OK, this is a thing with government contracting that doesn't exist in the private sector. You guys are having to get compliant specifically because of a government mandate. OK, that's unique. Right. And especially for defense, those mandates cost serious money. Uh, and so I would highly encourage defense contractors to look into contract reimbursement, um, you know, or even reach out to us to discuss the idea of, you know, what can we do to increase. Um, you know, to to increase our ability to recoup those expenses, do we need separate line items in our invoices? Do we just simply need to increase our profit margin by X percent to compensate for the reality of what we've had to do to get compliant? You're gonna have to really focus in on where the best leverage point is for you, where you're providing the most value. And for God's sakes, you know, get off this whole thing that defense contracting isn't profitable. If it's really that unprofitable, get out of the defense industry. Uh, but I'm sorry, I, I. I'm, I'm pretty passionate about the idea that private businesses need to make money and be reasonably profitable. I don't think you should gouge people, uh, but I think that there needs to be a reasonable profit margin, uh, you know, for everyone to exist in. I mean, I just can't tell you the stories that I've, you know, that I've gone through with other small business owners, you know, on the side of, you know, doing coaching and mentoring and things like that, helping people build businesses where we sat down looked at the numbers and i go there's no way this business is ever going to work you don't have enough margin in what you're doing we've got to fix something here and usually what we fix is we fix the actual sales process to include far more compelling competitive selling propositions and you know if you're in defense and you're like this stuff doesn't apply to me you know i don't know you, you might need an attitude adjustment sorry but you know whether you're the only difference between you and a regular you know, private business is that you have one massive buyer who the people within there are micro buyers that network with each other. Um, I'll give you another terrific example. We're going to the uh, the Navy Gold Coast trade show. And the amazing thing about that trade show is that we are going to be in a room with thousands and thousands of people who are individual buyers, and they're all from the government, right? It's all, If you really think about it, it's all one big entity, right? the government or the DOD uh you know but we're meeting with buyers from the navy the army missile defense space force nasa uh you know and then and then all the major primes bae you know lockheed raytheon all those people are going to be in that room but and they all they all have different needs and so uh you know it's just your market it's a blessing cuz your marketplace in defense is just so much better defined than it is in the private sector i mean a typical small to mid-sized private sector business you ask the salesperson, who are you selling to? And they will say something ludicrous like, well, you know, I'll sell copiers to anybody that moves, right? And that's a fair statement. When you're in defense, though, you already know that you're selling copiers to someone in the Navy or departments of the Navy. and You've got this instant ability to identify a list of buyers for your products. So, um, you know, again, it's, it's for me, I think this stuff's really fun to, to, to talk about. But gosh, most businesses could just be so much bigger and so much more profitable if they go back to the fundamentals and recognize the fact that they've got a ship. they've got to make a proper profit margin considering all of their expenses, which includes you know compliance and the changing information security landscape. And they've just simply got to make sure that along with those price increases, they also are delivering more value or conveying their value better to those people who are um, you know, uh, are, are the buyers so that they can understand that the right decision to make is you.
0: To succeed in the face of any change, such as such as budgetary change, a defense contractor has to know what they're looking for. And then once they find it, they have to be able to close on it to be able to get that contract, to get that deal to move forward. So how can defense contractors identify and seize emerging opportunities in the defense market? It's a great question. Um, you know
1: what? I think they've got to get out there. Um, the pandemic was a very interesting period of time that we've all been through together. It is so easy, and I'm completely guilty of it myself, it's so easy to stop leaving the house because you're comfortable. So, you know, if you're a defense contractor, maybe you're an IT director, whatever, you um, you know, and these questions, look, I I think a lot of our audience are typically attorneys and IT directors and people who are having to deal with the controls of NIST. But nonetheless, you know what, pass this podcast on to your boss, pass it on to the sales director, right? Like, I think we we touch on this a lot. And the reason we do it is because we want you to be able to easily, you know, pay for the correct solutions uh, for information security that you're going to need. You know, what I would tell you is, um, I I think that you got to get out there, you know, um, prior to Prior to the pandemic, you know, the old fashioned way to do it was networking, you know, the military and the DOD are old school ways of doing things. And I'll just tell you, you might think you're big in your market segment, but unless you're going out to in-person events these days, you're not that big. Here's another thing. You look at trade shows, and this is a big revolution that, that we went through a while ago. We go, look, who's at these trade shows? The biggest companies in the industries. I mean, like the biggest ones, you know, big companies typically are not bad with their money they're usually pretty good and that's why they survive for so long and are able to get so big. And if marketing in person at trade shows and different, uh, you know, in-person events um, is something that, you know, the big companies are doing, shouldn't the small companies be doing it too? But the challenge is the first thing they see is the expense and they don't necessarily understand the opportunity. And I think if you're listening to this podcast, you know, I'm, I'm super psyched to try to help anybody understand this and shortcut their path to success. Uh, I think you've really just got to remember that the best way to do business sometimes is with a handshake, uh, you know, and an in-person conversation. And I think it's really, really challenging right now. Um, Here's another example, right? Our whole company is virtual. I mean, we have three physical offices, but we have staff all across America. We travel internationally. Um, I don't work any different from when I'm in the office than when I'm at home. than when I I work several other places, we have all the security in place to do that. Um, Again, another place that we've invested heavily in information security. So you know, I think another challenge is to realize that take that newfound flexibility to not have to work on the office and go take it on the road. Go see a new city and and you know go find a marketing event in that city to go to. Uh, and I think that that will really bring you some great things. Final thought on that is I'll tell you one of the one of the best pieces of advice that we give to our clients. And and you know we love talking with sales teams. We usually get them in about an hour. When we're on site to talk with a sales director, if they'll let us at the whole sales team, we'll sit on and talk with it. We'll be like, hey, when was the last time that you took out your book of business and called every single DOD or military you know, or defense related buyer, called them up, told them you got compliant and said, I'd really like to earn more of your business. There is a thing that happens when you simply go back to your current customers and say, I'd really like to earn more of your business. And you know what? We're all guilty of it, all right? We're guilty of it. You know, OnCall does a pretty good job of doing that. We ask for referrals, we go back, we ask for more business. Um, but you know, so many companies are horrible at that then they're waiting on the next order to come in and because, the, because the bills are paid, you know, and the sales guys seem busy, they, they just forget to drive that home. And yet the really fascinating thing that works in defense better than anywhere else is that defense buyers and purchasers have a job because it's challenging to find compliant and secure partners to do business with. So what winds up happening is they've got some things that, that, you know, on their procurement list of, you know, their hit list, if you will, and they can't find people to buy. They can't literally can't find people to buy from, or they can't find people to work with to come up with the right solution to what they need to buy. And so when that happens and you're the guy that last said, Hey, listen, I, I like you tell me what needs to be done. I just want to earn more of your business. Well, you're top of mind. And there might be some really interesting big dollar opportunities or even a lot of little dollar opportunities that just simply may not have come your way without having that relationship in place and without them knowing on the other side of that human-to-human transaction that you're hungry, that you want to earn more of that business, that you want to grow, and that you want to serve them in the best way ever. And and even better if you can mention to them, hey, listen, you know what? I want to be the best vendor. I want to be the go-to vendor come to me first with new stuff that you don't know who to buy from. And let me see if it's something we can do. You know how we operate. You know, we're awesome. We're secure. We're, we're compliant. Uh, and, and we'll bend over backwards to meet your needs. Let us see if we can't knock that out for you and at least get our list, you know, our name on the bid list. So I think that's such an old school tactic. It almost sort of goes away and it leans on the buyer who has to then go out and search. But if you're already there, look out, man, that's when sales really start to multiply. That's when that's when the salespeople really get happy because those simple phone calls turn into millions of dollars. And, and I'm not talking about big businesses. I'm talking even little businesses. Um, I remember a project that we worked on uh, for a partner company, and we were on the phone once, and they were sort of having us go over the security that we'd help them implement. And at the end of the phone call, I pulled something that I, I I have to tell you, you know, sometimes I'll go a little bit rogue in these calls because I want to help the customer or the client or whatever the partner. And in this case, we were at the end of the phone call. And, you know, the purchasing officer was very, very happy about, you know, what he was hearing about the security. He was kind of getting DCSA off his back about making sure that they were a good company to work with. And I said, Hey, one more question. Tell me this. Do you have any other projects on, you know, that that you're like looking at at procurement with, because now you know way more about us, right? So it kind of reciprocity principle there. You now know way more about our company and what we do and how we secure ourselves. You know, we're serious. You know, we got this handled. Do you have any other projects on the books that maybe we haven't talked about yet, that you're working on procurement for, that we just might not be aware of, that we might be able to get our name in the hat. And I said that, and all of a sudden, three new projects popped up worth like $8 million. Just because of that conversation, just because a guy on the phone asked, how can I earn more of your business, essentially? And so um, I just... You know, I drill that fact home, and it almost seems really rudimentary and second nature because it was drilled into me in my in my early days of sales training and, and sort of coming up building businesses. But i was just really, you know, I want to pass it on to our audience because it's it's just unbelievable. Salespeople don't make sales calls anymore; they just they they rely on that warm lead intake, and that's all they work, and they don't do anything else, and they clock out at five. And it's like, hey, wait a minute, there's more that can be done here. And this is, but sometimes they are lacking the mechanics, and those are the mechanics: pick up a phone. Call your procurement people, call your buyers, say, hey, just want to let you know about this cool thing. We just kind of comply with DFARS, NIST, and CMMC. Um, If you got any extra work that would be, you know, kind of, do you have any extra work that you can send our way? Particularly, I love defense work because we're qualified for it, or any other kind of work you might have that, you know, really needs a gentle touch and a a secure handhold because, look, we're like, we're defense rate, we have defense rated security here. Um, So
0: hopefully that helps. Yeah, you started the answer by by mentioning uh, basically that 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 it's it's easier not to do things. And it reminded me uh, there is a comedian and he he would start his act by coming on the stage and he'd say he'd say, hey, everybody, thanks for coming out tonight. You know, the usual introduction. Then he'd go. Then he'd go. I want to thank you all for being here, considering how easy it is. For you not to be here, <laughs> he said, it's so much easier not to do things than to do them. So h- how anybody does anything at all is amazing. And, and, and that's what, what it reminded me of, just a humorous thing. And you also mentioned remote work. We have a future episode all about remote work coming down the pipeline very soon. So stay tuned for that. Now it's time for everybody's favorite part of the podcast. Mike, you're already smiling. Here we go. The silly question do defense contractors have a time machine to predict future budget trends
1: (laughs) that's a that's a really interesting question you know we should just rename this the crystal ball episode man (laughs) i guess um you know that's it's a very good question i think the answer is no you know so i think the true (laughs) answer is no but i think like i mentioned earlier in the podcast there are market indicators um, if I'm a defense contractor, you know, we do this for a lot of our clients and I'm looking at the market and I'm going, what's going to happen? Here's the first thing I'll tell you is behind the scenes, defense compliance is extraordinarily ramped up for two reasons. Number one is the war in Ukraine. And the U.S. is essentially supplying itself, all of its partners and Ukraine uh, with the war machine. I mean, I just I don't know. I don't know what better way to say that. If you're not di if you're not swimming in defense business right now versus what you were doing two or three years ago, there's something wrong. I mean, there's something like you need to be reaching out with your sales teams to the procurement people to find out what's going on, you know, or if you don't know how to do it, engage with us. And, and you know, we'll fly out. And we'll teach your sales teams how to do it. Um, we do that. Absolutely. It's a one off service, but. Uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, you know, pay our day rate and, and I'll come work with your sales teams or we'll have one of our other experienced people. Uh, we've got one other person on staff who also has that level of experience. And I'll just be honest with you, we'll run through checklists, right? We'll we'll get back down to the fundamentals and the basics, and we'll look at exactly how all of this is going down. Um, we've we've done that a couple of times. And I have to tell you, our clients have been extraordinarily happy uh, with the end result of that. So, um, do i do i have a crystal ball you know no but number one is to realize that this is you know the u.s defense budget doesn't go down it's just now they, they always find something else to get into right afghanistan winds down and coincidentally there's a war in ukraine i mean i don't i don't find that to be much of a coincidence at all right um i i've once been known to explain that the way that the united states and for that matter most countries get out of a recession or a depression is war because the war machine is a place that they can pump unlimited amounts of money into that will then immediately migrate out into the private world. Um, You know, you can't just give away money because it's bad for people. People don't know what to do with money that was just given away, but you give them a job, you let them work hard for it or you give them product and you know, that will naturally and organically crank up industries and not destroy people's work ethic. Critical. Um, So, you know, I think defense is an industry right now is like, is I mean, it's just a great place to be. If you're not in defense and you're looking at getting in defense, I would want to be there. Um, you know, and I think the other thing is uh, as far as other crystal balls, you know, a lot of times federal contracts, the big contracts, they're up there for two, three years ahead of time before the actual buy is made per se, the big ones, really big ones. Um, and I would, I would tell you you know start looking out there, go to fedbizops.com you know go to go and look for some of those places and see what the trend is. you know like everything else, defense follows the trends of the world. right now AI is huge. I don't think AI is you know not touching anything right now. Uh, artificial intelligence is huge and you know artificial intelligence and large language models are driving the future of defense automation and uh, it's pretty wild. Um, and I think if I did anything related to AI, I'd, I'd be, you know, deep into looking at what what I can do for defense. And if I'm not an AI, I'd be looking at what AI can do for me and then how that can help me with defense. Uh, so I think that you look to your market indicators. If you're really open minded and you really want to do something crazy, go look at the stock market. Go look at, you know, in, you know investing and where people are putting their money in. Uh, NVIDIA, for instance people are piling money in, into NVIDIA because of the technology it's associated. Can you do something with that in your business? Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'll tell you, I think, I think that you have to look at those things. I think another thing finally that I'll point out is you want to look at uh, the situation with interest rates. Interest rates are high right now. So people are not sort of just spending money willy nilly. They're being very cost conscious about what they spend money on. Uh, Are you in an industry where you have the ability to accelerate growth with some marketing spend, where your competitors are not doing that? Um, I will tell you that in every major recession in the last 20 years, we've come close to doubling or quadrupling our company in every single one of them. And the reason is because we never lift the pedal on our marketing spend. I would tell you that our marketing budget has only grown over the last 20 years. And, um, you know, I just generally happen to think that you need to be conservative. You need to watch your profit margins but the time to invest in your company is typically the time when it gets to be the hardest. So if you're a small defense contractor out there and you know you're really sensitive about the idea your company's not that profitable, uh, my question would be, well is it not that profitable because you haven't reinvested very much into mm-hmm. it and is it is it time to to change that game while the economy is still churning under us, we're not in a depression, uh, and there's a lot of defense stuff going on, is this the time to go out and invest in something like Compliance, for instance, you know, go get compliant, go invest in a sales guy, go invest in, you know, some marketing or make it to one of these trade shows to get hands on for a change. All of those things, a little bit awkward and hard to do at first, but the benefits are immeasurable. Uh, they, they really are. So don't forget to invest in yourself. Great, great question. Um, you know, I, I, I wish that there was a crystal ball because believe me, I'd be all over it. We'd, uh, we'd be even more heavily into defense uh, than we are now.
0: I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. It's brutal, but I think you're absolutely right about, you know, war driving economy. Right. And, and I think the most famous example of that is, is World War II. You know, you had all these factories making components for weapons, making the, 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 the airplane parts. And then you had all these women who maybe were, were, Stay, staying at home or being at home and they were suddenly in the airplane parts factory riveting and that's where Rosie the Riveter came from. and then and then the kids at home and, and the people at home couldn't couldn't necessarily get fine shoes because all of the all of the components to make shoes were being diverted to help the military as well. and then you have and then you have the what they used to they used to play those those shorts before the movies at the at the at the theaters that say help the war effort donate your medal or whatever the heck they would say so you are at you're you're dead on about about war uh helping economies and that kind of thing. it always has going all the way back to to even before world war ii that was just the most famous example but but yeah i mean it's it's kind of a brutal reality but it's a reality nonetheless on that note That wraps up another great episode of Mission Compliance. We hope our discussion today has provided you with valuable insights, practical strategies, and inspiration to navigate the ever-evolving world of defense. I want to thank Mike once again for joining us and giving us the lowdown on defense budgets. Thanks for hanging out, Mike. Hey, thank you, Roman. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Absolutely. But the conversation does not end here. We encourage you to keep exploring these topics and connect with us on our social media channels. Share your thoughts ask questions and engage with fellow listeners by using the hashtag mission compliance podcast. That's us. You can also visit our website at missioncompliancepodcast.com for show notes, transcripts, and bonus content. If you haven't already, they should do what Mike? Well, they should definitely subscribe. They should like it and they should tell their friends all about it. There it is. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to be the first to know when new and exciting episodes just like this one are released and we truly appreciate if you could take a moment to rate and review the show just like mike said your feedback helps us continue to bring you thought-provoking episodes and high quality content join us again on the next episode of mission compliance as we delve further into the dynamic world of defense security and industry innovation until then take care stay informed. And finish it out, Mike, what should they do? See us on the next episode. Your mission. We're out. See you next time.